gentlemen, everybody. This is the All Lions Podcast, made possible thanks to Fan Nation. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. After spending a week at Detroit Lions minicamp, had to catch up with my guy, Logan Lamarandier, here today to kind of go over what we saw, early impressions, some early camp battles that have us intrigued. It's always good to wake up and think about and talk about Detroit Lions football. It was fun to be out there, get a, get another look at Aiden Hutchinson, get another look at some of the rookies, some of the evolving uh, matchups that we could see this upcoming uh, training camp for the Detroit Lions. Logan, it's good to talk to you. It's good to catch up with you. I always enjoy the chance to talk football with you. Yeah, what's going on? It's all good. A week of minicamp. I <laughs> thought some of the biggest takeaways – that we kind of started to observe and look at involved the quarterbacks, involved some of the changes on defense, the kind of shifting dynamic between Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, early looks at some of the depth charts, maybe a linebacker and uh, in the secondary. So a lot of good things came out of minicamp. But remember, they're not wearing pads. They're not going full bore. They're kind of it's, it's it starts with the walkthrough and then there's a lot of competitive drills, but you still get a chance to see speed. You get a chance to see the early developing connection. But Logan, I think you understand that whenever you talk Detroit Lions football, it begins and ends with the quarterback position. And I'll be honest, I think from the reports you read and from what I saw, Tim Boyle really has been struggling. If the competition is still there and open, and David Blau has a chance to win it. Something's wrong. Tim Boyle did not do himself any favors by the performance that he had. He struggled, uh, was off target a lot, really holding on to the football a little bit too long, really struggled at times with the connection that he had with the receivers. And David Blau won one of the days. I mean, Tuesday, he just came out there and was firing the football. Uh, now, did that sustain? Not not the entire minicamp, but Dan Campbell acknowledged it on the final day. This backup quarterback situation before we talk about Jared Goff is still wide open but just judging from the online reaction I just think that the majority of the supporters here in Detroit really aren't impressed with either of the backups and just feel like hey if Jared Goff goes down let's then full fully enter the tank mode (laughs) yeah at this point I I have no issue with the Lions not really addressing the backup quarterback position and maybe this coaching staff feels more comfortable with Blau and Boyle than the rest of us might, but to me, it's just the, the Lions aren't necessarily needing to have some great backup because if Jared Goff goes down, yeah, that'd be very unfortunate for the Lions, but it's not like it's holding them back from reaching the Super Bowl or anything crazy like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's tough to watch if, if Goff goes down and you're, you're left with Boyle or Blau, but, you know, hopefully maybe one of those guys can step up and Blau. If, if he's been looking better, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. But at the same time, I'm not expecting anything crazy out of the backups. And it's hard enough to find a start in the NFL, let alone a good backup. So it is kind of is what it is. And, you know, maybe the Lions can add a guy down in the future. But to me, I'm not all that concerned about this year in the backup quarter of the back situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we look at the quarterbacks, we obviously – begin and end with Jared Goff, and he has looked more comfortable. He was a quarterback last year, and it goes to show you, even though if you're a veteran, when you get suddenly traded and you're used to a routine, you're used to kind of knowing where the facility is and knowing everything about what your routine is, it goes to show you, Logan, that routines in sports and in life, 
you get you get used to what you what you know and what you're comfortable with, and then you just all of a sudden get uprooted from L.A. to Detroit. That has to be shocking in and of itself. And then you're expected to perform at a high level. And I thought one of the the, the, the questions that I asked that I'm really proud of was I asked General Manager Brad Holmes directly. I said, "How can you fairly?" judge Jared Goff this year in 2021 when you gave him those receivers and they did the spin dance and I think the answer I'll always remember was uh he's like well the receivers get open and they catch the ball and it went out to show you that um oh well maybe not the assessment wasn't as good as maybe they thought but it was very interesting and so they went out this year and directly addressed their biggest weakness and got wide receivers who can catch the ball separate can do some things that can maybe make Jared Goff look better. But now when you see a quarterback that's more comfortable, that is settled in, understands what he's going to be expected to do, and working with an offensive coordinator that maybe he has a little bit more trust in and feels that can get more stuff done, I think Jared Goff at least feels more comfortable, and that's what was evident this week. His throws were a little bit more crisper. Still some wobble there later on toward the end of minicamp where he started off really crisp, but I just felt like he he looked like a more poised individual, more comfortable being there. And that's at least a good start when you look at this player this year in regards to what we can expect from him because the Lions are counting heavily on their signal caller. And if he's not there, it's going to tank the season. So I think that at least Jared Goff being comfortable is a good starting point. For sure. And he should be a lot more comfortable than he was last year. And it sounds like he is, and you kind of saw at the end of the season, Jared Goff turned a little bit of a corner because it was pretty difficult to even watch Jared Goff uh, towards the middle of the season. And at the end of the year, it, things started clicking, and the receivers uh, with St. Brown uh, coming along, and then Josh Reynolds also getting added into the mix, and then looking at Jameson Williams and DJ Shark this year, I think he's set up a lot better. We'll kind of see when Jameson Williams comes into play, but at the very least, I think Goff, is working with some a decent amount of talent this year and we get a little bit better feeling for what kind of is and another year in this offense and getting things going, uh, getting continuity with the team. I, I think it is a make it or break it year for Goff because if he doesn't have a good year this year, then all likelihood the Lions will probably have a higher draft pick. And if the quarterback is there, I wouldn't really be surprised at all if the Lions went after uh, a quarterback in the draft. But again, it all depends on Jared Goff and what he does this year. And I think he's being set up much better than last year for sure uh, to do just a lot better job at the signal caller position. Yeah, and I, I guess I'll ask you this. You see the additions with Jamison Williams, who probably will arrive later in the year, DJ Chark, who is going to be coming back from an ankle injury but has the ability to make some plays, um, Amonra St. Brown, expected to take a leap forward. TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, hoping to stay healthy. It has the makings of at least a fair opportunity to assess what Jared Goff can do. And I think that with an offensive line that can give him time and can establish the run, there is an expectation that if he just gets a little bit better than what he was last year, you saw a little bit of what he could do. This is not... See, here's the thing. People sometimes conflate arguments, Okay. Jared Goff is not a bottom-tier quarterback. He's not a guy that's ranked 20th through 32, even though he may be put there. This is a guy probably in the middle tier of quarterbacks. That he, he Remember, only 26, 27 years old. He can see the field. He can make reads and things like that. The issue is his talent level 
prevents him from firing it in there to make some of the more dangerous throws, some of the elite throws that some of the top-end guys can do, and he's not fleet of foot. So can you win with Jared Goff? Yes, you can win 7, 8, 9, 10 games. You can have positive seasons. He's done that. He can have that. That's one argument is you can win football games with Jared Goff. But the main argument that Lions supporters have is, and they go right to the top, which I think is fair. After being so starved of any level of success, they jump to, can we win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff? And 99.9% of people say they doubt it because a quarterback at some point needs to raise his level. Look, look at what Joe Burrow did. He played very well in that Super Bowl. But Matthew Stafford at that time, at his point in his career, raised his level just enough, just a little bit more, than Joe Burrow did at the times when it was needed. And then the defense stepped up for the Rams. So can Jared Goff do that? I don't think we've seen that enough to make that fair assessment, but I think at this point the assumption is no. So that's why you get reports and, and, and discussions of you know wild speculation about Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. I mean, even just a couple days ago, we have basically did a full week's coverage of the quarterbacks, backups, battles, and people are still bringing up on social media, what about Baker Mayfield? What about this player? What about adding? So that gives me an understanding that people understand and they formulated their assessment that at the highest level, they don't believe in Jared Goff. And that's fair. I understand it. But it would be nice if Jared Goff kind of took some of that and was able to maybe at least get a playoff win in Detroit. I think that would be very fair, very fitting of a guy that's kind of been kind of overlooked at this point in his career in Detroit. Yeah, as an, it's tough to talk about as Lions fans talking about your your goal should be a Super Bowl. I think, as you mentioned, Goff is very capable, and we've seen it done in the past, of winning playoff games with a good enough team around him. We've seen plenty of other average quarterbacks win playoff games, but how often do you see these average quarterbacks win the Super Bowl? And Ultimately, that's the end goal for every single team is to win a Super Bowl. So at some point or another – and that's this is what the Rams did. You're going to have to probably upgrade from Goff. I think we know what he is at this point. And maybe he could get a lot better. It's, it's tough to see it happening at this stage in his career. It usually just doesn't happen. And I don't think Jared Goff is necessarily elite at any one trait. He doesn't really have like a calling card or something he can really hang his hat on that like puts him up into the elite category. But I, I do feel like at some point, if you're going to – ever make it to the playoffs and want to get to the next step, which would ultimately be win a Super Bowl, you're either going to have to have the perfect team around him or you're going to have to find a different quarterback at some point. So that's just I, – I root for Jared Goff because it would be so nice if the Lions didn't have to spend a draft pick on a quarterback and Goff just somehow the switch turned on and he turned in some elite quarterback. But I just – I don't see it happening. It would be highly unlikely for it to happen at this point in his career, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense going into the season in regards to everything going on with how everything can shake out and stuff like that. So I'm curious, at that point last week, what did you pay attention to? What caught your interest? I know a lot of people were looking at the linebackers, secondary. Definitely always people pay attention to the rookies and what they can bring to the table. What caught your attention? What kind of things were you highly intrigued by now as minicamp comes to a close and we head towards training camp? Yeah, so this early in the season, I... I just really pay attention to kind of the depth chart, how they're sending out people and who who's working with who, and then really just injuries. You know, Jeff Okuda even being back out in the field, I think is a really good sign. And then you got guys like Romeo Aquara who are also dealing with injuries and an Achilles injury. And he's still not 
on the field. So I, to me, it's all about uh, really just depth chart and injuries. It's tough to really look at players without pads because every single year, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be some small receiver. And the Lions have one this year, uh, a local kid um, in Pimpleton from Central Michigan who is going to just look super flashy. And then once the pad comes on and get into the game, they kind of disappear. It happens every year. Same with, you know, the smaller running backs or the scat back type of guys that look great. Um, but it's just different when the pads come on and get on the game action. So I, any report I see I, about um, guys making plays, I typically take with a big grain of salt. Um, but I, I just want to see guys, the health status and kind of, who's lining up with who and how the initial depth chart and alignments with a new defense are kind of shaken out. Yeah, understood. Definitely. We're seeing Charles Harris and Aiden Hutchinson all over the place. Uh, Many people are honing in on what the Lions are going to do on defense. So you've heard it. It's going to be a new four, three base with a lot more attacking moving forward in regards to the defensive line. Now, they're not going to just be running all over willy-nilly. They're not going to be an all-out blitzing kind of defense, but what they're saying is they're going to attack the gaps a little bit differently this year. And so they are expecting, when you add, obviously, the likes of an Aiden Hutchinson, you expect that the opportunities are going to be there in a complementary situation where maybe the likes of an Austin Bryant, if he makes the roster, Charles Harris, uh, Aleem McNeil, Levi, and the linebackers, will have more of an opportunity to make some plays and to get to the line of scrimmage. At least they don't want to feel like they're getting bullied off the football in regards to the battles in the trenches. So when you see the likes of an Aiden Hutchinson and you see that potentially early on, now he's not going to light the world on fire with 10, 15 sacks early on, but you do expect him to try and battle opposing offensive linemen. I think that it's very fair to expect that at least you see the pressure rate go up you, you don't expect to see opponents run the football dominantly like they were able to do last year. I think that it's very fair to assume that one unit that can see improvement is along the defensive front and, and, and along the defensive line. Yeah, I think looking at the scheme change, uh, you got guys like Aline McNeil and Levi Onzerike, even Josh Pascal playing a bit on the inside. The, the gap shooting scheme is a much better fit for those type of guys, because Levi Onzerike is supposed to, supposed to be, you know, definitely it can be a three tech gap shooter type of guy. He has great explosion and Ali McNeil for his size had a faster 10 yard split split than Onzerike last year in the draft. So he's just crazy athletic as well. So I think for those two specifically, I think more of um, single gap instead of trying to two gap and hold your ground. Um, getting into the backfield plays into their strengths a lot better and gives them the ability to make plays. Um, and same with Josh Paschal, who, yes, is considered more of a defensive end, but if he has a little bit of weight, I think he's probably going to see a lot of time inside as well. Uh, and that's where he did a lot of really good work at the college level, and he's a great run defender. So I think the defensive interior is still – a concern for me with this defense because they weren't good last year, but I think a scheme changed and just some development from the younger guys could really help out a lot. And Michael Brockers, we'll kind of see what he's at this year. I know he's aging and getting older. He's still a veteran, but uh, he was a bit underwhelming last year. And uh, the Lions have to depend on him this year too, a little bit, but um, we'll see how he fits in this type of scheme and how they utilize him and maybe get some more room for the young guys. But, and then defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, 
really solid against the run. Um, that can go a long ways as well because the Lions struggled against, struggled stopping the run last year. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how it all plays out. And the defensive line is always a rotation, but there's a lot of young pieces that you don't really know what exactly they could be, but if they all reach the potential and really take jumps and improve this year, the Lions do have some potential to have a good defensive line, but that's just, it never seems to really play out that everyone at the same time takes a step together, but hopefully it does. Very fair assessment. Now, can the unit have success as a whole with the linebackers that they got? Obviously, what we got a chance to see was Alex Anzalone playing alongside Chris Board a lot at minicamp. Now, I understand and I I definitely understand the philosophy of finding guys that work hard and try hard, but there's also something that can be said for talent. And I'm just not certain yet that Alex Anzalone and Chris Board are talented enough to anchor a defense. And then you got young guys in Malcolm Rodriguez, James Houston trying to find their way. Derek Barnes is going to be expected to take a step forward. Will he battle for one of those positions to play on this defense? I think more he's going to be in sub packages and still will be fighting for playing time. It appears day one, it'll be Chris Board and Alex Anzalone manning the linebackers. And you say, man. It does not bring people a lot of confidence to see that because of just how many tackles they miss. Chris Board has kind of, you know, you look at it and you also have to recognize that coming from Baltimore to Detroit is not a stamp of approval, okay? It's an opportunity, and it doesn't guarantee that he's going to be successful because teams typically hoard talent. They don't let linebackers just go to Detroit. Now, I understand opportunity, increased pay, things like that. But at this point in time, my biggest concern is with the linebackers. And that's the the question I asked Dan Campbell directly is what gives you confidence that this linebackers room is going to achieve what you guys are talking about? And he said, oh, competition. And he he went to that route like these guys are going to smash into each other and really fight and battle and things like that. But I understand that mantra and everything like that. But you also have to recognize that when you have elite talent, they make everybody better. Can Alex Anzalone battling Derek Barnes really make Barnes that much better as opposed to Derek Barnes battling the likes of a N'Kobe Dean down the road? See, that's the key is that are you battling top-end talent to get you to the highest of highest levels to play linebacker? I still have concern at linebacker. That's the unit that's probably got to prove it the most this upcoming season. 100%. I'm still very concerned about the linebackers and just because there's competition between a bunch of <laughs> – you know, below average starters doesn't mean that just because you win the competition, they're going to be great. They're still going to be below average. So I, I get Campbell is always going to talk up his guys. I understand his answer, but just having competition doesn't make me feel any better about the linebacker room. Uh, but I, Alex Anzalone, according to Glenn, did he have his like best season last year with the Lions? And it wasn't all that great of a season. And uh, Jared Davis, I think we know what he is at this point. Lions fans are familiar. And Derek Barnes, you know, he he looked great at times, especially against the run. And then against the pass, he struggled. And that was kind of expected. We knew he had some development to do being a former defensive end. But overall, uh, yeah, Chris Board, I'm not – I'll – full disclosure, it's like it's one of those things where I guess I need to probably watch him play a little bit more and do more homework on him before I can say how good he's going to be. But 
considering his price tag and his demand on the open market, uh, I, I don't think he's going to be a top-end starter by any means. But we'll kind of wait and see. But overall, I think if the defensive line can do its job, maybe it allows uh, Anzalone and Barnes and Davis or Board and Malcolm Rodriguez. Just, these are all pretty quick guys. So if the defensive line does their jobs, maybe it'll look to linebackers look better. And you can get by with subpar linebacker play if you have a good enough defensive line. But I, I'm not sure that the defensive line's there yet. Maybe this new defensive scheme will help out these linebackers, but I still think the linebacker spot is by far the, the weakest spot on the team right now. Yeah, and then you go to the secondary. Jeff Okuda's back. Now, this is an enigma because obviously fans like to root for an underdog. They've seen the struggles that he's had. They've seen a player that has really worked and battled to try and get out there on the football field, battled injuries for the for the first two years. And then you have the other side of the coin where you have fans that are like already labeling him a bust. How can you take a cornerback at number three? So you have those that are rooting for him to come back. Those that are skeptical. I asked Jeff Okuda has, and, and okay guys, I do want to set that scene here because people did have a little bit of blowback when the reporters reported on um, the question. So here's the table. Yes. The t- okay, it was not a bad question for those of you that chimed in and was like, who would have the nerve to ask that question? It was me that asked that question directly, and here's why. Okay, and I want to state the case because I was there and I asked this question this way. Okay, what I saw was in the first day of getting out there, Ifatu Melifanwu was playing safety. That's a position change. Will Harris is playing cornerback. That's a position change. So obviously Aaron Glenn is experimenting with the different players at different spots. Now, I have read in the past that Okuda was labeled a safety, was taught and trained to be basically a defensive back, to play all the positions. Now, he settled in at corner in college. He's drafted to play corner in the National Football League. He's only played 10 games. So my question was, hey, should you play safety? My question was, has the coaching staff, or would you consider experimenting, playing safety just to see what it would be like? Maybe you're good at it. Maybe you're not. I didn't say, hey, do you want to change positions? I said, hey, you know, I've seen that Will's been cha- uh, playing a different spot. Fatu's been playing a different spot. Would you consider experimenting and maybe playing safety? And he went with his answer of, well, I haven't talked about that with the coaching staff. I want to play where I'm at. That's fine. The question's fair based on the observations that I made. And it's it's talked about online. The biggest thing that people talk about is, hey, should this guy play uh, safety, change positions? Now the talk has been shifted a little bit more to nickel corner to play to his strengths. So it'll be, an, an under, it'll be a great opportunity to see what he can do. But uh, the blowback was a little bit interesting in regards to Jeff Okuda. But I think at least his very point right now, we can say that he has a very, very interesting opportunity to at least try and make a comeback. But man, that position's tough coming back from an Achilles injury. I think it's safe to say that it's you got to be cautious with Jeff Okuda. You can't be uh, an all-out fan looking at a guy coming back from a major injury. Yeah, you can't. And the Achilles, it's a tough one. But it looks like he's doing all right. But you never really know until they get back on the field. So I, the whole Jeff Okuda debate, I was a big fan of him taking him when they did at at three. Yes, it was a high pick, but 
you know, looking at his college film and just his fluidity and his length, he had everything you looked for outside of maybe that elite top end speed. But uh, it's just been a lot of injuries that he's been struggling with. And then his rookie year is literally put in the worst possible situation that you could be in at the corner. And he even look at, you know, Darius Slay's years under Matt Patricia, they weren't good. And then he leaves and has career years again. So uh, to me, I think just by default, Jeff Akuda being under Aaron Glenn and new scheme, as long as that injury doesn't slow him down at all and he can make a full recovery, I think he's going to look a lot better this year. And, uh, you know, even last year in training camp, you saw the bright spots with him. So I, I'm not expecting huge things from Akuda this year, but I do think he's going to be a solid corner and can still go in. And the whole, the whole safety discussion, you know, he has the size for it. I don't think necessarily he'd be a great fit at safety unless he was like a big slot type of guy, which the, that's technically labeled a safety nowadays because some safeties play big slot and that's kind of their role. They're a box safety. But, uh, you know, it's talked about quite a bit the crew to move into safety, but I still think you have to give him a fair chance. He hasn't really had a fair chance at corner yet, considering his year one situation, dealing with an injury then, and then also tearing his Achilles last year. So I, I'm still a couple years away from really even considering a move to safety or so. And it would take uh, him not playing well at all at corner, but I, I'm excited for Akuda this year and uh, RORA, I pair him up with Akuda. I think that's a solid one, two combo. And uh, there's some depth there. Hopefully that can younger players, just like the defensive line, really the whole team. There's some younger players that you hope do some developing and, uh, guys like Jerry Jacobs, he can come back from injury as well and kind of continue where he left off. It's it's an encouraging group. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see the versatility, what they can do. Maybe Will Harris can find a role actually in this situation here playing in Detroit, but it's going to be fascinating to see. Now, on the other side of the football, looking at offense, boy, DeAndre Swift definitely has been hitting the weight room. Looks a little bit swole, so he got out there and impressed everybody, but again, I think the biggest question mark now is going to be, obviously, health. Jamison Williams not going to be available for training camp. DeAndre Swift, can he stay healthy? TJ Hawkinson, can he stay healthy? Your thoughts and assessment of the offensive trio there that the Lions are going to feature, potentially, if they are healthy, seem to be very exciting. But at this point in time, you have to look at it in regards to, through the prism of, if they stay healthy. If not, you have to question it because they haven't been but Hawkinson Swift definitely keys this year, highlighted by some reporters as well, that obviously outside of Goff and Amonra St. Brown, right there, right behind him, Hawkinson and Swift are very key for this offense to do well. And obviously at, at OTAs and, tra- and uh, minicamp, you saw uh, DeAndre Swift getting a lot of work uh, out of the backfield as well. Yeah, those guys got to stay healthy. And uh, Swift, I'm, I'm glad he's looks like he's bulking up a little bit because as a pass catcher, I think he's a great running back, but running in between the tackles and just what I look for in a running back, which is yards after contact and ability to break tackles. Swift hasn't necessarily excelled in that. He wasn't that great at it. He was pretty mediocre at those in those two categories in college and it's followed him to the NFL. So if, if he could find a way to just be maybe a little bit more elusive when running up the gut, I'm not saying you need to just feed Swift up the gut every play, but just have a little bit better ability to do that, make him a more complete back. Because as of right now, I think he's 
more of an outside zone, you know, get him on the edge, get him in open space. And that's great. He's really good at that. But it'd be nice to see him be a little bit more complete, maybe by gaining a few pounds and having the ability to run up the middle. And then Hawkinson, to me, he hasn't quite reached his full potential yet. And it typically takes a while for tight ends to do so because uh, it's a very tough position because you're doing a little bit of everything at the NFL level. But I think he could improve his blocking. Uh, he hasn't really lived up to that blocking label that he was originally drafted as, but uh, he needs to stay healthy too. And he's always, I feel like he's always dealing with something and it'd be nice to have him have a full season. And this is kind of the years when tight ends really start taking that next step. And hopefully the Lions will feature him a little bit more and really get him the ball. And you saw that happen in a couple games last year. And I think that would just be huge. Um, to Hawkins' job actually might be a lot easier in the, the receiving game this year with the receivers they have. Maybe that opens up things more in the middle for him. But yeah, like you mentioned, I, I just hope these guys can stay healthy because it's a lot of fun when all these players are on the field at the same time. Yeah, it's going to be fun times. So now we're looking at this offense. Jamison Williams. Obviously, taking a slow approach is the right thing. I think that obviously when you see that he's not going to be available, obviously he said he's optimistic that he wants to get out there, but take it slow. If there's a situation in which he doesn't come out until week five, six, after the bye, then there's an opportunity potentially to be able to handle business and do the things you got to do. So I would say that, potentially speaking, Jamison Williams not being available for training camp is not all that surprising, but I still think it's worth it to take a chance. They took a calculated risk and maybe bought themselves some patience. I'm conflicted about Jamison Williams in regards to the fact that I don't like drafting players that have a history of injury, but if he's got top-end speed and can be an elite player, if, if I could just fast forward a year from now to see what he looks like, I would be happy, but... I hope he ends up being elite because I watched that Inside the Den video and they damn went ape, you know, they, they they went crazy excited to target this player because of his talent. But that was the talent when prior to his injury. What does that mean for his speed? Maybe he'll come back full speed ahead and, and ready to go. But bottom line, Jamison Williams is a huge piece and a huge investment this team is making. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out because the team was definitely excited to see that he was available and they traded up to get him. Yeah, they were very excited to get him. And uh, there was reports all off season and you kind of knew with some of the players, the Lions were looking at in the past, the Lions wanted speed. If they wanted just speed, Jameson Williams is your guy. And the, the whole ACL injury, I'm not too concerned about that at all. The ACL injury, it's more often than not, it doesn't impact these players all that much anymore. And I'm not concerned either about if the Lions have to give him a bunch of time. I, even if he had starts the year on the pup list, like go for it. Even if he's not fully up to speed after he comes off the pup list, you know, just make sure you're being cautious with his recovery, making sure he's ready to go. And when he's ready, he's ready. But this year you shouldn't be trying to leverage the future and subjecting these players to injuries uh, that could cost them I guess playing time down even next season or anything like that, uh, you have to look at the future. And that's what this Jameson Williams pick is. And uh, he's a speed player and he's got elite speed. It's not just, you know, the, being fast. And everyone's fast in the NFL. Like this is elite speed. So it's going to be a lot of fun when to see him on the field and open things up and see what he can do. But uh, it's the whole injury thing. Just take, take their time. And I think the Lions are, 
playing it smart and it sounds like that's what their plan is. They're not going to try to rush him back and they don't really need to rush him back. They have some decent receivers right now uh, that they can get by with. And once Jameson Williams is good to go, great. Get him in the lineup, but no rush. Absolutely. Always good to check in with my guy, Logan, breaking down some of the main takeaways. Obviously the tempo was different with the offense. You're going to have an opportunity to see what Ben Johnson can do. Aaron Glenn, their competition level is going to be good. You just get a sense the coaching staff really has a strong bond together. But bottom line in football, Logan, it's about talent. And they have upgraded the talent, so the team should be better. But bottom line, when you see the narrative that this team could potentially be in the playoffs, that might be just a little bit of a stretch there, some hyperbole, some extra hype that is not likely to occur with this football team just yet. But they will take a step forward. This football team will compete if healthy. You see hunger, you see talent, number one. The wide receivers are better. Remember now, you have a number three overall pick coming back from an injury. That could be a huge asset if he ends up being somewhat productive. Okuda, Panay Sewell, you have Aleem McNeil. You're building out a core slowly, but I think what you should do is taper your expectations and really hone in your expectations for about six to eight wins, max. And look for the little things, less penalties, less mistakes in the red zone, less, you know, procedural type stuff that really bit them in the dust, more execution in the red zone, being able to run the football, stopping the football a little bit more. If they just make a couple more plays here and there, this is a better football team that should win five to six games naturally, just because other football teams go through lulls as well. So remember that it's not always just based on the talent that your guys present. Sometimes you catch others that are injured. You catch others that are not playing as well, going through some things as well. So this team and, you know, obviously losing John Penasini is not great for your depth. But, hey, when you're, you know, Jermaine Waller as well, uh, Josh Hill last year, three Lions have decided to retire. Dan Campbell said it. If you're not all in, it's really hard to invest playing this game because this football team, is stocked with people that are in there early, leaving late, that love football. That's what they're bringing in. Now, are they the most talented of individuals? That's the part they're still looking to recycle and shuffle and get more talent. Aiden Hutchinson, the likes of Lee McNeil, Levi Onsrique, Derek Barnes, role players, and then you're bringing in high-end talent with DJ Chark, Jamison Williams, Amonra St. Brown, and you hope for the development of DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. So it was a fun week to look at. Not making too many grand observations, but generally speaking in regards to different players in different positions, you hope to see steady improvement. And and me and Logan will be here periodically breaking down all things this offseason. One more practice to kind of look at for rookies and young players, and then there'll be a six-week lull before we ramp up for training camp, which will be a very fun and very enjoyable experience. Logan, thank you so much for waking up, talking ball with me. I really do relish it. It's fun. I got you out and about, so I'm very happy to engage in this conversation. We're going to have many more as we progress with the All Lions podcast, bringing you great guests, insight, analysis in regards to everything with the Detroit Lions. Thanks, Logan. Let's talk soon. Thanks, John. Good stuff.